anybody you talk to who traveled a lot as a kid is going to say, I did not understand what I had. And she's heard it from everybody. She's heard, you know, just soak it up. I know it's stressful. Soak it up. You have no idea what you're getting. And she knows it and gets it. But she wants a puppy. That's all she wants. A puppy. <laughs> so so is, she, is she getting a puppy when she gets home then? Oh, there's a puppy waiting. You have, yeah. you have no idea. As soon as we touch down, the dog's waiting. We, we've yeah. actually purchased it. Our in-laws are picking it up. They're buying the other puppy. It's it's this the whole conversation. That's what we talk about is that puppy. Yeah. There you so, go. So yeah, there's a puppy coming. All right. So we know a way to placate a 12-year-old if they're a little nervous or unwilling to, to take a big trip or a big step. Just say, hey, we got a puppy at the end of the tunnel. Puppy. Don't worry. Yeah. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 398. The Boston University Bridge is said to be the only place in the world where a boat can sail under a train, passing under a car, driving under an airplane. Did I say car? I mean, car. Today's guests, Kim and Scott Goyette, certainly have no shortage of travel adventures, whether it be their current adventure that they're on, which we're going to talk about in today's podcast, or whether it be that time they drove across country in a 1978 orange and brown Dodge Tioga RV. But whether you are as adventurous as them or whether you're someone who's like, all right, like this sounds cool, but I might not just dive off the deep end just yet. I, I want to do a little more basic travel. It doesn't really matter because no matter your travel style, you are going to want to have the best travel backpack out there. And the best travel backpack out there for me and for a lot of other EPOP listeners are the Tortuga backpacks. They have a variety of different backpacks now. They have a set out. They have an outbreaker. You can check out the differences over on their website. And it's really cool now because they actually have a set out backpack specifically for females. And their outbreaker version of their backpack is height adjustable so it can fit someone of any size. So if you're looking for the best travel backpack, make sure you head on over to tortugabackpacks.com slash epop. So the only way to get 10% off anything you buy over there if you're an epop listener to this podcast is by going to tortugabackpacks.com slash epop. They'll put a special promo code in when you check out and you will get 10% off anything you order. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today are two people who have taken on many adventures in life, including driving a 1978 orange and brown Dodge Tioga RV across the country, and most recently decided to embark on a one-year trip around the world with their 12-year-old daughter to expose Kayla to all different types of cultures, religions, and ways of life. Kim and Scott Goyette from Meditation Mother and GoLoveNow.com. Kim and Scott, thanks for joining me, guys, and welcome. Hi, Travis. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Travis. Appreciate it. And it's always fun for me to do it with a couple because Heather and I have done like where we flip the tables and we've been interviewed. I just find that the vibe and energy is great when you're talking to 
two people, you know, both sides of the coin there when we do an interview. And I'm excited to have you guys on because you glance at your website, both the, both the websites that you guys have, and it seems like you're pretty free spirit. So is this always the case? <laughs> I, I would say yes. Um, you, you hit on when we first met within months, we bought an RV together and dr drove cross country, landed in Texas and stayed there. And we've traveled ever since, even when our daughter was really young. So, yeah, we're kind of on a free spirit mode. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we plug into society and then something happens and we run away and do our own thing and show up for a few minutes and leave again. So. Uh, just probably similar to you. There's so many people who say they want to live like that, but they can't. And hopefully we can prove that you can uh, during our talk today. Yeah. What was it that first maybe plugged you into this lifestyle? The idea that, hey, I don't have to necessarily do things step by step by step by step in quote unquote normal society. Was that something ingrained in both of you as children, were your parents that way? Or was there some other aha moment where you thought, all right, I'm going to make a switch and this is what it's going to look like? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say for both of us, we, we kind of laugh about it. I'm from New York originally and Scott's from Boston and we almost never left our state as a child. If we went on vacation, it might have been upstate New York or, you know, to the to the shore yeah, in Boston. It's a Boston. 30 minute drive. Yeah, within a 30 minute drive. So it's kind of hilarious that, you know, we've taken on this lifestyle because it's not what we grew up with or what we even had access to as kids. But when we first met, we knew there was a connection because we both knew that there was more out there. We didn't want to just stay in the Northeast. And um, we met and it was kind of funny because we both said the same thing and we're like, perfect, this is a great fit. Let's take off. And we did. <laughs> yeah, like all, all jokes aside, pre-Craigslist or anything like that, we literally met. I went to see her parents in New York. We're sitting at the dinner table, and we said we should buy an RV, and her dad comes out with a penny saver. There's one RV for sale, and it's it's way, it's way over our budget. It's like 10 grand, and we don't have that money. And so we were like, you know what? Let's just go look at it. We go to look at it. The guy's like, do you, what do you think? We're like, you know, it's incredible, but we just don't have the money, and we're about to leave. He goes, what do you have? And I'm like, I have $2,600 in my bank. And he goes, okay. And so they took it, sold us the RV. <laughs> and the story, it's just crazy. They were moving the next day. Their son had the RV. They were moving back to Australia. And the son didn't bring the RV back until late, so they couldn't sell it. We were the only chance to sell it. So I should have said $12, but we got out of it for $2,600. Yeah, and there started the adventure. <laughs> yeah. So it's all, you know, we can sit here and say, like, you manifest things. You believe it'll happen, and it does. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, what a negotiation tactic, right? It's like when your back's against, not, not back's against the wall, because if you didn't get the RV, <laughs> your life's not over. But you're just saying, hey, this is what I have. Like, take it or leave it. You didn't know their story. You didn't know the predicament there. And all of a sudden, you, you end up scoring, you know, a 75% off discount because you just went and took the chance to even go look at it and, and, and show up. Exactly. That's really it. You got to show up, you got to ask, and things will fall into your lap. I mean, that's kind of life in itself right there. It is. And then I, I was noticing on your about page, you guys said you got this RV, and all of a sudden you find yourself in Texas, and uh, you ended up settling down there a bit on a whim, correct? 
Yeah. We did. Yeah. We pulled into <clears throat> Austin and all the RV parks were full. It was springtime. So we started heading south and we landed in a college town about a half hour south of there. And we just decided, we looked at each other. We're like, hey, why don't we go to grad school? And we just stayed, went to grad school. No joke. And then ended up loving the area and stayed there. And then over the years, we slowly recruited family to come down. So now we have the whole, almost the whole clan. Literally almost everyone in our family <laughs> has moved to Texas. It's crazy. <laughs> to Austin. Yeah. All right. So. Because I've always dreamed a little bit. Not that I dislike Philadelphia, but you guys are from the Northeast. So, you know, there's there's pros and cons. Some of the cons are the pace of life and, and the weather during the winter. And I've always thought, all right. You know, if anyone could do it, I think it could be me where I just like slowly I go somewhere and then just, you know, drag someone in and then someone else in and then someone else. in, And all of a sudden you've changed the whole trajectory of like your family and friend circle because they moved with you. So how many years is it going to take me to drag people somewhere new? How long did it take you guys? Well, well we've been. Yeah. My brother, my brother came instantly. Went to college. Yep. Then my parents moved maybe three or four years later, and then Scott's parents moved maybe eight years later. We've we've been in Texas twenty four years, and so over time, my brother just moved a year ago with his family. <laughs> so yeah, it you know bit by bit, if you're patient and and it's a beautiful place and there's no snow that they have to shovel, they make it down. Well, there. We get social media now. <laughs> we don't have to do anything else but post it. And yeah. eventually, they're like, why are we living here? <laughs> I mean, you know, we we had to do it. Ver- you know, it was phone calls for us. We were like, yeah, it's a great day down here. And they're like, really? You know, now we just post and walk away, and they're just coming. Yeah, the, the old show don't show don't tell, right? It's like, <laughs> hey, uh, you're shoveling, and I'm out by my pool. I think uh, we know who's yeah. winning this one. So what did then exactly. life look like for you guys in, in Texas? So, you you know, you took this adventure and you're like, hey, we, we haven't really gone outside of our own little bubble for uh, growing up. But now we're here in Texas. We like this. What then happened in the interim until leading up until this 12 month around the world trip that, that we're going to talk about that you guys are on now? Was it traveling here and there? Was it settling in a little bit? I think it was a mix of both. So we did settle in. We bought a home and kind of had the traditional lifestyle for a while. But then we always felt that need to travel. So Scott is an absolute master in finding amazing deals for traveling. So I think it started with that where he was just working. Hey, I found a deal. Let's go. I found a deal. Let's go. So so let's, let's go to the part that she's not explaining. So here's the deal. I'm the guy who's always like, I know we don't have the money. Let's go. And she has this massive guilt complex. So, you know, <laughs> I'm from true. Boston. I've got the Christian guilt. She's got the Jewish guilt. It's just guilt running around. <laughs> so it, it was just interesting because every single time I'd say, hey, baby, you know, we should. And before I could finish it, she'd start telling me how she didn't want to go. We can't. We don't have the money. We don't have the time. We got yeah. a big meeting Friday. And I just say, go. And so she'd go. We'd get some great deal. And she'd be like, thank you so much for doing that. But we went through the cycle like forever. And now it's at a point where I start to talk and she goes, all right, let's, let's, let's just go. go. Let's just go. I know it's going to be amazing. I know you're going to find a great deal. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So, so we, we traveled. Yeah. How were you able to do that then? What like what type of work were you doing that did allow you to, to go and take some of these trips? We were both pretty much in corporate America and sales, so it was a little bit more restraining, and that was the challenge. I mean, when I first started with the job that I was 
with in corporate America, um, I was with them for 12 years. I only had two weeks of vacation, which for someone that's a vagabond and loves to travel, I mean, that's really disheartening. So eventually what happened was over time, we, you know, we kind of made some money in corporate America and then decided, hey, this is not for us anymore. And we transitioned to owning our own businesses. And so like, like you said, too, with like, you know, rental properties or whatever, we had unintentional rental properties. We had our own home and we have a weekend house that we have. And, you know, we just like, what if we rented these? What would we make for it? And long story short, that's sustaining us, you know, plus a little extra work, just that alone. So, you know, it works. Yeah, I think a lot of times people look at certain things, kids, a big one, houses, cars to a lesser degree, but the, these weights and they're like, well, okay, now I can't do it because I have, you know, these things that, that we just mentioned. I, I know I actually thought that way with our own home. When, when my wife was ready to move back into our house, I was like, no, we're travel bloggers and writers. Like, you know, I, I could not get it to jive in my head that I was able to have a home. I just thought I had to keep traveling, even though she was well aware of the burnout before I was, right? Like she was feeling burnout and I in my I, I probably was but didn't realize it, you know, burning out on travel. And it had been like two and a half years. We didn't have our own place. And we moved back in against my better judgment, but she basically said, Well, I'm moving back in. So you either can or can I mean, you know, whatever. Make your decision. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I guess if we're gonna have to pay a mortgage, I might as well be there for a few days anyway. And within a couple of days I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I needed but worrying about the, the, the flip side, right, of, okay, but how can I do both now? I want to do both. I'm not going to give up traveling. And then, you know, within a month thought, yeah, I can rent this out. Like, there's a thing called Airbnb, or I could long-term it if we ever needed to. We haven't had to. And just taking something that, that seems normal and just looking at it through a little bit different lens and saying, well, if I want to do this other thing, how hard is it to do something a little distinct, like renting it out? And then what does that provide me the opportunity to do? And in our case, it's, you know, rent it out when we're not here and then and get to travel. And then when we're here, have a home base. And it really is best of both worlds then. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it, I agree. This was the first time that we ever rented out our homes. And um, it was a lot of work, I have to say, a lot of work for preparation. And then as soon as we kept saying, we were leaving on a Friday. We're like, just make it to Friday. Just make it to oh, Friday. Yeah, we thought and we were then, losing our minds. Yeah, we thought we were losing our minds because there was just so much detail and prep work because we were going to be gone for a whole year. And then um, we were so lucky to find the perfect tenants to move in for a full year, which was amazing. So we didn't have to deal with the, you know, day in, day out type of, you know, changing hands and all that stuff. Um, and then once we left and closed the door and just stepped into this life, it was like this, this whole weight just lifted yeah. off of us and we just moved forward. It was amazing. What type of planning and preparation went into this year long trip? Because obviously, that is it. That's a huge chunk of time, and and my goal is that people listening who think no way that can't be me by the end of the show are thinking, wait a second, maybe it can. How long were you thinking about this idea? How long had this been in the works before you actually shut the door and and were off to your first destination? 
Yeah, I would say the thing that inspired us was Scott and I, um, for my 40th birthday, which was maybe five years ago, we went to Peru and went hiking Machu Picchu with a group. And we met a mom and her two young daughters. And that's exactly what they were doing. They were taking a year off, rented their house, and they were traveling around the world, homeschooling and, and all that stuff on the road. And our daughter was in kindergarten at the time. And we thought, yes, this is something that we should do. And we were trying to think about, you know, what age, you know, that's always the question, what age is a good age? Because you want them to be, um, you want them to remember, you want them to have a little bit of oomph so that they can keep going and you want them to um, still like you. <laughs> so you want to make sure that it's yeah. not like high school and you're dragging them away from their friends and, and all those things. So we thought the transition year from, from uh, elementary school to middle school was a good time. So we kind of waited it out. And then as it got a little closer, I would say, you know, we started telling people, they were like, what are you doing? You know, questioning, you know, the whole concept. And then we really put a lot of effort in six months prior. I would say six months is the, is the but, time. But so real quick too, like, like everyone's like wants the details. Like, so what's the effort? Like, what does it take? Like, I think it's way more than the details. I think it's just the attitude of really knowing it's going to work because we were going regardless. And quite honestly, we didn't have our house which we really needed to rent to financially, unless we wanted to live in like, you know, like a half bedroom Airbnb with some other couple, you know, we, mm -hmm. we needed the money. And so we needed to rent it and we just believed it was going to happen and kept calling friends, whatever. And so I teach business at the college level and there's a site called sabbatical.com and they rent to professors or people on sabbaticals. And long story short, we got a, a former president of a college needed a place to live in Austin because his grandkids lived here. And they needed one year. So it happened last minute. The other guy who moved into our you cabin. know, cabin, literally, we were on the plane flying out. We got a call. I have the perfect guy for you. So, <laughs> you know, we're going to tell you the simple truth is just make it happen. And it will work out. And I know people, if, you, if you're somebody who doesn't like to live like that, then maybe this isn't for you. And if you're somebody who's willing to take the chance, it will work out, period. Yeah, it's, I guess, it's that simple. I think that's a great point is like there is the logistics side to it and you want to try to get as much of that done as possible. I want my place rented. I want to look at where we're going, flights, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But and and I think people get bogged down in that and they get worried about owned that. And yeah, and owned by it. And what they don't even think about is the mindset part because that's probably harder. But once you get past it, it's it's a bit freeing, but they it's not like you know, the logistics stuff can figure itself out. If you don't get the mindset part right of, hey, we're doing this no matter what, and and, and there's going to be tough times, and we know that, and when we get to a tough time, here's what's going to happen. We're going to get through it. You're going to fail no matter what, whether you have it rented or not. And if you get it right, you're going to succeed because something else is going to work out in the long run. Yeah. So business, life, sports, anything. It's all the same thing. If your mindset's not there, you're going to fail, period. Yeah. So you, all right. So you guys started looking really seriously six months and that was kind of neat to know that you were very intentional because one of my questions was why 12, you know, why the age of 12, why this, uh, year between fifth and sixth grade. And f for you all, you, you touched on this, but I'd love to just expand on it a little bit. Looking back now that you're, you're through like 11 months or 10 of the months, right? Do you think that this is a good age for someone to take Absolutely. their children. Okay. No question. It's the year. Because one year later, I think she'd want to slice our throats 
and a year earlier wouldn't get as much out of it and you're missing like kind of the graduation from fifth grade. Um, one, one of the things for me, because we've got our program Go Love Now, we go in and we teach kids in middle schools about love, compassion and kindness. So we do like bullying avoidance. We make sure kids have high self-esteem and self-love. And in doing that, I've seen the hardest grade for a kid to be in is sixth grade. It's a really difficult year because they just were like top dog and first through five. Um, they're coming in in sixth grade. Their bodies are changing. There's a lot of negative energy in the schools and they're not sure how to handle it. By taking her and giving her a different perspective, plus the other cool thing is it's World History Year. So that's a freebie. Mm -hmm. And we started in South and Central America, so she gets to learn Spanish. So she's ahead of the game from school perspective. She gets to be in a place where she's really getting to grow and think and challenge herself. And now she'll be plugged back in and her friends have all set up the school for her. She's in the middle year. I mean, the perfect year. Mm -hmm. I couldn't sell it enough. Yeah. And, you know, the other benefit of going this year. So we started off when she was 11. She turned 12 on the road um, and we it was kind of unintentional. We didn't totally realize it. But many places around the world treat 12 and 13 year olds as adults. So you have to pay instead oh, of true. instead of, you know, getting a freebie with your kids. So we save so oh, much money going very true going this year. I mean, it was like a huge difference in, in the amount of money we spent. So we have Hilton and Marriott, tons of Hilton and Marriott points because I'm a motivational speaker. So I'm on the road and I'm traveling. and We've got all those points. And so they'll let a 12 year old slide, never a 13. So we're literally getting you know, an extra free breakfast, an extra free this, an extra free that. If she essentially was free and next year she wasn't. Next year, we would make it a fake passport, pretty much, <laughs> for an 11-year-old. There you go. If we go again, yeah, she's seven, she's, she looks like she's 17. I swear to God, she's 10. I love that. I love that. You have all the like important stuff of her age and maturity, and the like, bonus, she also doesn't cost as dear as much as she would if she was a year older. Now, if people have multiple kids, so for example, looking at my situation, we'll use this selfishly, we're going to have kids that are 20 months apart. So let's say two years apart. Would you recommend going younger? Like if you had kids that were 12 and 10, would you say 12 and 10 is probably better than 12 and 14? Yes, I think so, I think so too. I think so. Yeah, definitely. I, I think the more they get into the teenage years, the more challenging it's going to yeah. be for them to be willing, unless unless they're born a traveler and they just really are excited about traveling. Um, Kayla, I would say it, it wasn't her first choice to go around the world with us, um, and we've had a lot of wins. Probably her fiftieth choice. Yeah. 50th yeah. Not another thing she would have done. Yeah, she really, she really misses her friends, you know, and just being home and having routine. But we also have had some incredible experiences and adventures that you could never duplicate. So, you know, there's a balance between the two. There, there's a simple truth that you'll learn quickly. Anybody you talk to who traveled a lot as a kid is going to say, "I did not understand what I had," and she's heard it from everybody. She's heard. You know, just soak it up. I know it's stressful. Soak it up. You have no idea what you're getting. And she knows it and gets it, but she wants a puppy. That's all she wants, a puppy. <laughs> so so is, she, is she getting a puppy when she gets home then? Oh, there's a puppy waiting. You have, yeah. you have no idea. As soon as we touch down, the dog's waiting. We, we've yeah. actually purchased it. Our in-laws are picking it up. They're buying the other puppy. It's it's this the whole conversation. That's what we talk about is that puppy. Yeah. There you so, go. So, yeah, there's a puppy coming. All right. So, we know a way to placate a 12-year-old if they're a little nervous or unwilling to, to take a big trip or a big step. Just say, hey, we got a puppy at the end of the tunnel. Puppy. Don't worry. Yeah. 
That's so right. It sounds cliche, but it works. That was the focus. <laughs> what What yeah. was it like in the beginning before you set off? And you mentioned every kid's going to be different, of course, just like every adult's different, right? And has has different things they're nervous about, anxious about, and things like that. But you were saying, all right, she wasn't really adamant about wanting to go. There was a lot of other things that she wanted to do. I don't want to say, did you take that in consideration? Because I know the answer is yes. But how how much did you take it into consideration? How much do you say, we know that looking back on this, like she's going to know that this was an absolutely amazing experience. Like, yes, she'll have amazing experiences as we go through and she'll know that, but she won't even really understand the full scope of this until she's older. So how much did you have to kind of say, trust us on this? This is what's best for you. And we know that because of the experience we have as adults. Yeah, we had to say that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. so the thing, the thing is, um, her passion is animals. And so one of the things that we really made a huge effort in was to weave in animal experiences throughout things that you could obviously never, you know, have the opportunity at home. So, you know, we bathed elephants in islands and and, and Patagonia, like going to see like, like you name it, like anything crazy, like lions in your face. Like if if there's something that you like, I want to do it, we did it. Yeah. And so now she's going to be casually like, oh, yeah, I was like eight feet from a lion. Yeah. Oh, of course I played with penguins. Who hasn't? Uh-huh. So that's funny. But I don't like as she's playing with them. She's like, but where's my puppy? <laughs> so. So yeah. did you, you, you all intentionally do that? Because I want to talk about the logistics as far as where you went. That seemed like an intentional thing. Like, hey, we know if Kayla's coming with us, one of her passions is animals. So we're going to build in as many opportunities as possible because that's going to be like the carrot at the end of the stick for her is, oh my gosh, when we get off this flight, like we're going to this country and you're going to get to see elephants or lions. What about for both of you? Did you have specific things that you wanted to dangle in front of yourself too to say, hey, this is the thing that I want to do in each country or I want to go to this destination? How did you decide where to go and break it up based on your passions as well? Yeah, um, I, I, I'll guess hit the first half of the year. So the first six months of the year, we stayed in Central and South America and traveled around there because we wanted to focus on Spanish-speaking countries so that we could, uh, so that I and Kayla could learn Spanish. Scott already knows Spanish. Well, no, no, I, I know enough Spanish to get by. They they just were more fresh. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Not, so, I'm still working on it too. <laughs> so, so yeah, so we we focused on Central and South America for the first six months of the year, and within that we. We wanted at one point to live somewhere for a chunk of time so we could understand how it is to live internationally. So we stayed in Chile for about, I would say, two months. Right. It was like uh, seven weeks, which it was pretty close. Yeah, seven weeks in one small town so that we could kind of live the life of the locals. But accessible to a lot of places like mountains yeah. and rivers and like all kinds of stuff. So right. it was pretty cool. And the one thing that we found out right away about the three of us is that we all three like different things. So I am total nature girl. I feel good in nature. I love hiking. Scott loves the beach. And Kayla loves super high-end cities city with girl. malls. Modern. She's a total city girl. Yeah. So we had to do a little bit of everything. And everyone had to kind of give in at some point so that the other one could really enjoy themselves. And so It's hard to find a mall elephant. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that was tough. We were trying to find mall elephants. So yeah, for the most part, we all had to give somewhere. Yeah. So so we kind of balanced it. You know, 
and then, you know, we did some city, some country so that we could really experience um, each location that we were at in, in different lights. So, yeah, it was just kind of a mix. How far in advance did you plan where you were going to go? Was it is it set up that you knew every stop before you left or was some of it left to to chance or, hey, let's get to the country and then start talking to people and figure out where we want to go from there? See, that's a, that's a really, really great question, and there's so many ways to do it because, like, in some sense, I'm a fan of show up somewhere and then go, but that can be really costly. So when you're doing it on a budget, I was thinking, I'm like, you've heard enough people talk that, like, oh, if you're in, uh, you know, um, Argentina, you got to go to Mendoza. Like, it's the best wine country. So I would kind of incorporate that when I see when the flight sales were or whatever. So a lot of it went around literally sales for flights, like what the best deals were. And we were flying, you know, Star Alliance. So, you know, if we're getting upgraded for free, all of a sudden, this really cheap experience is a first class experience. So we kind of went based on that. But I also had a general understanding of weather, like the way we were going down into the summer. So we really, really nailed it. Like if you're coming from the US and you're starting in June to go south and go do that and then come back and then go to Asia like we did for the second half of the year. We, we, everything was perfect. Yeah. Weather I mean, was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. We had a cold day here and there, but it was like, we, it was unbelievable. And we, I'm not sh- sure how this happened, but anytime there was a national holiday with like everything <laughs> shut down was the day we landed in that country. It was some kind of celebration everywhere we landed. It was so crazy. <laughs> like we show up somewhere where like, everyone's like, you, oh, you came for like Greek New Year or something. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, it starts tomorrow. We're at parades in the street. We're like, of course you do. And it was, <laughs> Always yeah. like, and it was unintentional. So back to that whole intent, like thing we were saying, do things with great intention. Know it's gonna like work. This trip was pre-planned to go well. Yeah, like what, it was just. What then? Okay, so how long did you spend in different places? You mentioned Chile. You were in for seven weeks. What was what was typical? You don't have to run us through like every single point of your journey, yeah. but give us a, a, a typical thing. Was it, hey, we're, we're always going to spend at least two weeks a place to get acclimated or are you, were you Five like- to seven days. Okay. Yeah. And, and, wow. and that was, uh, you know, we were, we were doing that and really there was another like, just like enough just to like get stuck in there and feel mm-hmm. it. I, I would say the first half of the trip, we stayed in places longer. longer, so maybe like um, two to three weeks. And then in Chile, in this one particular town, we were there seven weeks, but we were in Chile for probably over two months, just exploring different areas. But each place would be for like five yeah. days or whatever. But then the second half, it seemed like we were hopping around a lot more, um, and we not we move from town to town, not necessarily from country to country, you know, in five to seven days. But, uh, you know, we wanted to explore different areas. And we and typically each city was about five days or so. Wow. That but seems, we did it. With, we, that's a lot. Right. I mean, that seems quick to me. Yeah. Well, so here, here was here was the take. Like we knew that, you know, we've got our kid with her with us right now. There were like two ways to do this. Like one, we could go do what a lot of people said go spend like a month in Chile, a month in Bolivia, you know, like that. And that sounded great. But I'm like, you know what? There's so many places you might never have a chance to touch and see them again. And I'm not a big cruise guy because you're only in the port for like a minute. 
But I was like, what if we do like five days in these places and then we'll know everywhere we want to go back to. So it's almost like just like a rapid fire second half. We're good with our bags. We we throw them on our shoulders. We pack up quick. We got good at it. So <laughs> the second half, we just went. We're in Japan. We're in Thailand. We're in Cambodia. We're in Vietnam. We're in Sri Lanka. We're in Dubai. It was just like bam, bam, bam. But honestly, I had a new food in my hand or there's a new dance or there's a, somebody showing you a surf or there's like it was just nonstop like, uh, you know, like you're on some kind of drug or something. It's just been in your face nonstop. So amazing that you couldn't help but absorb it. But I quickly knew which places I never or I shouldn't say that. Not that I never want to return. I knew where I definitely want to return to. Yeah. And you, I think we were both like you figure that yeah. out quick, right? Like you, not saying you can't unearth hidden gems and obviously get a deeper appreciation of places the longer you stay but there is something about like landing in a country and within a day or two or or not even a country but an area a region a city and saying yep like this is me or yeah this is cool but like i'm you know i'm excited for the next step i'm excited to move on i it's funny how often those first impressions actually end up being what I feel, even if I stay longer somewhere. Sure. Yeah. And it forces you to live in the moment. Cause when, if you're going to be a place for like, like a month, very easily, you can kind of just say like, I'm just going to chill and you, you'll kind of almost like be complacent with it. But if you're in there and you know, you have five days, you're like, Oh, we only have five days. Mm -hmm. So you kind of <laughs> step up to the challenge and get into it, whether you like the place or not. Cause if it's not your favorite, you're like, well, let's figure out what we do like here. So you dig. And if you love it, you don't want to miss it. So either way, mm -hmm. it's a win-win. Where two weeks, I could kind of maybe miss something because I'm like, I get two weeks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the other interesting thing about moving from place to place is that everything is temporary. So like Good Scott said, if you love it, it's temporary and you and you know it. So you want to absorb as much as you can. And if you don't love it, hey, it's only temporary. Make it a work week. Do yeah. some work. Do something <laughs> else. Go go enjoy the, like, the, the pool at the hotel or whatever. Like do yeah. whatever you got to do. <laughs> was there, yeah, when you were moving around, was it usually like hopping on a flight every five to seven days or was it, oh, we're in Japan, we're going to be in Osaka for five days and we're going to go up to Tokyo for five days now? You know, how often, I guess my question would be, how often were you taking maybe these longer haul travel days where you were either hopping on a flight or long train ride, like and moving regions? Yeah, when when we um, when we started in Asia, the second half, we actually stayed in Thailand for two months, but we were in different areas. And then from Thailand, we made Bangkok our base, and we went to Vietnam and Cambodia, and then came back to Thailand. So because there's such short flights, you know, easy travel, and we wanted to get some of the countries that were right in that surrounding area. So um, we're not flying every five to seven days. I would say that we're in each country. Um, yeah, a varied amount of time, but going to different locations. Sometimes a train or a bus, like Eastern Europe, you know, you might be on a bus or a train or whatever. So it, it, it was pretty seamless. I don't think we had a long flight. We really didn't have, I mean, really, I mean, the last, it was pretty much like to Japan. Then we had a couple long ones just getting up into Europe, but those were pretty darn comfortable because we found some insane deals. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, and it's, you know, we've been on almost every mode of transportation Everything. you could think of. <laughs> yeah, 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 like weird names of boats, junks, yeah. yik yaks, like ruckets. I don't even know what they're called. Yeah. Some stuff. Just everything. Yeah, boats, trains, <laughs> trains that are first class, trains that are like you know you got a goat in your lap, and uh, they're all good. They're all good. 
So <laughs> goat in your lap. Yeah, that that's I think that's like that's above first class, right? Like you've got a goat yeah, sitting right there. Yeah, he, yeah, it's a bonus. <laughs> you really—that's that's a real upgrade. You really have to rate to have the seat with a goat in your lap. We were we were lucky on that one. Very lucky. So the chicken car was full. So <laughs> right, right. So then, what are you staying? Like, what type of accommodations were you using? Was it hey, we're going to rent an apartment, we're going to be Airbnbs, or was it more all right? As you mentioned, some of the times you were in hotels because you're getting stats. What what did you find worked the best for a five to seven day? time period what did you like yeah we, it was a pure mix so in some areas we had um if we were staying longer we did an airbnb sometimes we did hotels we have points with hilton and marriott so those were amazing and one of the reasons why there's a five-day length with a lot of them is because buy four we, you get one free yeah buy four days you get one free so yeah so scott's a master at finding the great deals with points and so on so we did a lot of that i think probably close to a quarter of our trip accommodations were free because of points the so. second it's and, and honestly like people are like oh my god how, how long does that take you to get to those points like i'm not even kidding right now if you're you're a diamond status with hilton if you go in eastern europe or parts of asia you can get 10,000 points a night rooms. And so you spend 40,000 points, you get five nights, you get fifth night free. That comes with free breakfast plus free dinner because you got your free. I mean, it's literally like a game. And once because you're staying so much, once you hit 60 nights, they start just giving you extra points. So all the points that I spent were like rebooted with free nights. Like I'm looking at it going, is this legal? Like I feel like I just, you know, we, we don't have to, we can cut that part, but I definitely feel like I just got, I did the math and we stayed at like for like 20 days and I have more points than when I started because of bonuses. And I'm like, wait a minute, I just spent those points. How do I have like 200,000 points again? And I don't care. I have them, but it's, hey, so yeah, there's you're speaking ways my to do language. It. You're speaking my language, man. Yeah. It's, it is, it's a fun I'm game. Sure and- you get it. Yeah, you sit there and you're like, there is a way to do it. We do it a lot with flights, less with hotels, but there's so many opportunities out there if you're willing to dig a little bit. And and kind of once you said, like, once you find something that works, just keep hammering that. Like, if you're like, hey, I, I, I know this chain, I know I could do this, this, and this, here's the points I have. We know it's kind of nice. Again, I like Airbnbs and apartments and stuff because it can give you a little more authentic, close to the ground experience at times. But there's something to be said with hotels saying, I know I'm going to get a certain level of service and there's going to be certain amenities. So, hey, I'm coming into this town for four or five days. And usually I like to do it when I'm in a city, right? It's like, hey, I'm in a city. I'm coming in. I know it's going to be a great base. I want to explore. So let me, when I come back, know that it's going to be comfortable and everything's going to be taken care of. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other thing Scott did a great job at is um, the laundry situation on the road. So we have very minimal clothes. We we only took a small carry on and a backpack for each of us. So we are wearing the same stuff over and over and over again. And he did a great job at, you know, every other stay or so we would have the opportunity to have a laundry facility. Laundry or whatever. Yeah. So that was another, you know, thing that we thought about so that we could, you know, make sure that we could <laughs> wash our clothes. Yeah. I and mean, you're in Southeast Asia, it's like a dollar and they fold it and bring it back to you anyway. But there's certain places where it's pricier. So I'd make sure we did a Hilton Garden Inn because they're the only Hilton chain that actually always has a washers and dryers. So yeah, there's little, 
it actually it really just becomes a game. It's like you ask yourself, like, what is going to make my trip comfortable? If is breakfast and a run on the treadmill to start the day going to make me happy? Then incorporate that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, like when we were in Chile, if you're staying for a month, we bought a a, a, a crock pot so we could make stuff, and then we just gave it away when we were done. It was like fifty bucks, so we used that. But then in you know hotels. I want the breakfast made for me. So it depends like what you're doing in that one space and time. Yeah. And so here's an interesting point. One that I sometimes struggle with when when traveling is how much we kind of talked about to plan ahead and how much to do on the fly. And one of the kind of drawbacks to doing on the fly is I found that then I spend time when I'm in a place, like, let's say you are somewhere for five days. I don't want to spend a day or two researching what I should do in the next spot but if I don't plan ahead, then you know sometimes you're forced to do that if you want to make sure you have somewhat of a comfortable experience. So how often did you deviate from the plan that was laid out? I guess the question, too, is like how much was it planned out? And was that, hey, we know all our flights between countries and kind of you know this date, we're going to be here, here, and here? Or was it planned out way more where you said, I know we're going to this Hilton for five days, this Airbnb for five days, all before you left? So we knew uh, – I booked all the flight stuff. So I knew exactly where we were going to be the whole first half of the year. And the second half of the year, I knew roughly where we were going to be, and we made some shifts. So we knew we were going to be in Mendoza. We knew we were going to be in Santiago, Valparaiso. Like we knew we were going to be. So we were already looking that stuff up, and we had plenty of time there. Uh, the second half, you know, over Christmas, we came home to just visit family for a week or two. And before we started the next phase – I booked, I think, like two months out. So we knew everything we were doing. But then as I started looking, like we weren't going to go to Dubai or Turkey or like all these random places. And I just found some flight deals that were just insane. And like so we used miles. We got first class flights. So we ended up in like Turkey and Istanbul. If you fly in there on Turkish Airlines, the craziest thing, if you're there for a a full day, they tour you through the city, buy you lunch, buy you dinner and take you on a private tour with the airline, which we didn't amazing. even amazing. Just the craziest stuff. Like someone picks me up on a bus, takes me on this private tour, buys me lunch, takes me all over the city. It was incredible. And so we kept finding these things by accident. I, my thing is just just like it doesn't take that long to get in your phone while you're on a plane or whatever or the train. It just showed up for us. Like it all showed up for us. What were some of if the that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. What were some of the non-negotiable places like when you first started thinking about this and then six months before you left like really starting to nail stuff down what were some of the non-negotiables where you thought we're definitely going here 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 and here like did you have a hit list that was you know this is for sure there's no way i'm going a year and i'm not seeing these places or, or spending time in this area so Scott and I had an endless list of places that we wanted to go, but Kayla just had two places on our list, Japan and Paris. And that so it had to be on there. So we made certain that we hit both of those. Paris just recently, Japan earlier in, in the new year. Um, I teach yoga and I teach international yoga retreats all over the world. So we had some planned throughout the year in Costa Rica, in Guatemala. Um, We're having one come up in Bali. So those were all weaved in as locations. 
Scott had made relationships with some of the international um, middle school and higher education facilities to do his GOLUG Now program. So we knew we wanted to make it to Chile. Um, there was, you know, we kind of had a, a, a whole different thing. I, I really, for some reason, Thailand called to me. So we made it there. Because it's incredible. Yeah, because yeah, it's amazing. Say, look, right? For some reason. Yeah. yeah, for a million yeah. reasons, Thailand should call to everyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, I was going to say, that's one of those ones where it's like, well, yeah, when you can get a $2 yeah. massage and like eat for a month off of like $6, yeah. that's enough right there to go. But, you know, that we had some uh, amazing surprises that I really, you know, mm. we didn't know what to expect. And they ended up being some of our favorite places like Sri Lanka was absolutely amazing. Um, it's unfortunate what recently happened because the country is so um, rich in beauty. And the food's amazing. The people are some of the nicest people we've met in the entire planet. And um, and it's just gorgeous there. So that was one of them. Turkey was another one. Cambodia. Cambodia, Poland. Um, oh, it was just, they're all like, you know, they were kind of like surprises where you're like, yeah, we'll go check it out. And then we were like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. Even <laughs> Romania was really Yeah, cool. Romania. There's so many. And people know, told us not to go there. They said, don't go to Romania. And like that almost makes me, if you tell me not to go, I'm going. Right, right, so, right. Yeah, you're like, what's so bad about Romania? I got to check this out for myself. Like, you trying to hide something from me? Yeah. got to find out. All right. Well, exactly. Let's, let's I got flip, a 12-year-old. We'll get it figured out. <laughs> let's flip it around a little bit because I love that. I love that, I love that you had specific places that you wanted to go and you said, hey, these are great and they, and they you know met your expectations. And then there are plenty of places that you're like, let's give it a shot and you come away blown away. But I do love being realistic about travel too because I think there are – if, if I think people get an idea that then if they go on a trip and it's not like the best ever, I, I've had people say to me, well, what am I doing wrong? Like, what, well, you know, this and that. And an example I always give is my buddy. I sent him to Argentina. I didn't send him, but I told him he should go to Argentina, even though I'd never been there for his honeymoon. I was helping him plan it a little bit. And I remember him saying like the first couple of days, he's like, it was actually in Mendoza. He's like, I don't know what's wrong, but I don't love this place much. I said, and I remember like almost coaching him saying, it's okay. Like you're, you are not going to love everywhere because if you did, that would take the shine off those, those places. Like you mentioned, Sri Lanka, Poland, Romania, that, that, you know, really stuck out to you. So what were a few places for you that maybe weren't either didn't meet expectations or were just things like, this is okay, but they certainly didn't live up to, to some of our favorite places. I have one that um, we we did like just a long layover in Egypt because we wanted to see the pyramids. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, for whatever reason, I just didn't connect with it. Maybe it was because we didn't spend enough time there, but just like, you know how you said first impressions, I'm very, very big. One, one of the benefits of hopping from country to country is that you get to see um, how foreigners are greeted yeah, immediately. The initial greeting. And so the initial greeting just wasn't there. There's some countries that are so warm and welcoming and it's like you, you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm home. You know, this is, this feels great. You, you probably know what I'm talking about because you travel so much. It's, you know, it's like, you can feel it immediately. Like countries like Cyprus, or <laughs> Sri Lanka, Spain, all these different countries that, that we went to and we were super welcomed. Mm. And I didn't feel that with Egypt, but I, you know, I don't want to cross it off the list because we weren't there for a significant amount of time. It just was my first impression. Yeah. And there's reasons, you know, you can sit here and like dig in a culture and we could sit here and have a serious talk, which we don't need to do. But um, there's reasons people behave the way they behave and the, the feelings you get. But 
if you don't want to choose to travel to that and it's not about seriousness, you want to enjoy yourself, like that's the place I want to avoid. I don't want to go to those places with that negative vibe. Yeah. Did you have any places, Scott, that you specifically were like, yeah, it's okay. I don't need to go back. So I felt like that with Vietnam um, for some reason. Like I really like I really thought I was going to have more like be more interested into, into it. The history is amazing. You know, just looking at what the people have been through. And I, I have such an appreciation for just everything that's going on there. And I enjoyed being there, but I just didn't love it. You know, I didn't I didn't love the cities. I didn't I just didn't fall in love with it where I went, you know, over to Cambodia or Thailand. I loved it. So if I'm there, I'd probably go visit like Laos or somewhere else instead next time. Um, France is always underwhelming to me. I mean, for what, for what you pay and what you get, I mean, just hop a few miles into Eastern Europe and the countries are mind blowing. Um, yeah, Paris, it's like when we get an $11 cup of coffee at the Eiffel Tower, there's nothing that that I would rather not have is an $11 cup of coffee. <laughs> I mean, I just spent like, I got like my whole family massages in Thailand for an hour or I can get a cup of coffee. Yeah. So, yep. uh, I, I agree with you. Some of it has to come down to cost, right? And that's, that's always been my issue with Paris. And I've talked about it on a bunch of podcasts and it's not that I hate Paris. I, I have a love hate relationship with Paris. There are parts that I love about it. And then there are parts where I'm just like, it's hard for me to get past this. One of them being, you know, the cost and, and, and stuff like that. What have been some of the biggest, like, if you could say what the biggest challenge you faced, and maybe this would be fun to say, like, individually, what has been the biggest challenge or obstacle, like, for you, Scott, for Kayla, like, what, what for you, Kim, like, what do you think was the toughest thing for each person individually on this trip? Can you want to go first or... You <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, you know, for, to tell you the truth, um, Kayla went to public school before we took off. And so this was our first year getting into homeschooling on the road. I had never homeschooled before. So I was, you know, nervous, you know, to say the least to see if I, if I could even be a teacher. And so that part of, you know, homeschooling under non-traditional settings and hopping around and making room for studies and making sure that she received enough stimulus, all that stuff was um, was a challenge for me. But, you know, we ended the school year and, you know, we had a lot of amazing wins, some tears along the way, but, you know, it was, it was incredible. And personally, I think I learned probably more than she did. I learned so much just homeschooling on the road. Um, and then just the other thing is, you know, when you when you move from country to country, especially the second half of the year, where we were in countries with different languages, not just Spanish, um, you had to wrap your mind around it every time. So we each had different jobs as we were preparing to go to the next country. And my job was to look up how to say hello and thank you in every country, money whether, yeah, money conversions, whether you flush the toilet paper, can you drink the water? Do you tip, you know, like all the basic yeah. stuff. And that was, that was my job. And then Scott was the absolute amazing planner of all the travel, the destinations, you know, all that. Yeah. Stuff. Like, so. like what's the best way to get picked up? Like sometimes we're getting picked up in like a limo. Cause it's like $5, you know, like sometimes, you know, like just, there was always some like super travel excitement that they didn't know was coming. I'm like, check this out. Right. So yeah, it was, <laughs> Yeah, so I would say that that was probably my biggest challenge. What do you think about it for you? Um, one of the craziest things, and this was the same thing when we lived in the RV too, is you know you don't realize 
the proximity of you're this close. There's nowhere to hide. Yeah. And like, you know, one of the things my daughter's going to get mad at me for saying this, but it, it was really funny is you're sitting there really upset and you're like, I'm leaving. And you walk 10 feet away to the other side of the hotel room. And then you sit down and it's good. And you all start laughing because you're like, okay, there's so you're nowhere mad. to go. Like, yeah. She's like, I'm done with you guys. And then walk over, you know, like I can get as mad as I want, but I get like a, in this hotel, we've had a lot of nice suites. This is not one of them. I can go 12 feet away. And that's about it. So I can go pout 12 feet away and, you know, I can leave the room, but if, if I want to stay in the room, I'm pretty stuck. Yeah. So if you can still live with them after a year, this, I mean, this would be like a great thing. Like, I don't know, like, like instead of going to like divorce court or whatever, like people should just like live on the road for a year and like figure out a way to like, to like make fix it worse. Things. I don't know. Maybe that would cause like some more problems. Something. I was gonna say that <laughs> fatality rate may fatality rate may yeah, be I high just, for that. I just actually caused like fifty murders with that idea. Yeah. What, All right, we, rewind. Yeah. What do you think Kayla's biggest challenge was throughout the whole year? I no friends. Yeah, I would say so the hard. friend situation. So the first half of the year when we were living in Chile, we had, you know, we were in one town and we had an opportunity for her to make some friends, you know, not not a ton because we were still, you know, six, seven weeks is not a long time to establish relationships, but at least she was around children. But the second half of the year, her being an only child, I mean, she was with us yeah, 24 by seven. So she cannot wait to get home and just be with her friends. Yeah. I think we all are excited to just kind of go do our own thing after a full year of being around each other 24 by 7, 365. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, it all works. Yeah. What do you envision being the hardest part of acclimating back to quote unquote normal life? Or do you think that it will be pretty seamless? Like you're ready for it. You had this adventure. You're going to go back and it's going to be like it's going to be a good situation. Or is there some anxiousness, anxiety of, okay, we had this adventure, now we're back in regular life, but we're not having these crazy stimulus over and over and over and jumping every five days <laughs> to somewhere new. Right. I, I think with every transition, there's unknown, right? And so, and there's always fear that comes with unknown. So transitioning from our quote unquote normal life to the vagabonds, you know, on the road was, you know, a lot of unknowns. And now that we've been through that and we're transitioning back, I think there's always a little unease. But I personally, I feel that we did so much in a year and it's been so um, fruitful that I'm ready to come Process. home to, yeah, just to absorb it all, to get into a routine again, to get back in my garden, you know, that kind of, you know, all the simple stuff that you miss being on the road. Um, I know Kayla, she's been counting down the days probably since we started. So <laughs> she's ready to roll home with no troubles. And I don't know about you, Scott. What do you think? No, I mean, I think that's like, that's what we're all selling. We're selling uncertainty versus certainty. I mean, we, we've dealt with so much uncertainty. Like at some point you've got to process and, and this is just the processing. You know, how long does it last? Do we not travel much? Well, we're traveling again like a month. We go to a yoga retreat as soon as we get home. Yeah. Um, and then we got another one like three months later. But for the most part, I want that process. I want to play basketball five days a week again. I haven't played basketball in a year. I'm a guy who's been playing sports my whole life. So I'm horrified about that. Like, can I still shoot threes or am I going to be the worst ever? And so, yeah, I'm actually going to be able to still shoot threes. No, there's no way I'm not. But yeah. There's so got to be there's got to be courts that you could have hooped on. I mean, I've been in Montenegro and hooping a little bit on this like court sitting out on an island. You didn't find anything. 
So, so this is the craziest thing. This is something that's weird. Like, like the universe was telling me not to do what my comfortable things are because everything that like makes me comfortable, it was hiding from me. There's definitely been like an interaction. Um, cause when we went to Chile, we were there, like I said, we show up when there's like a, a party time. So we're there at this time where everyone takes time off and they have this like national team that plays. And I had a friend who knew the guy who run, runs a team. He goes, we'd love to have you play. The day they start playing again was the day we were leaving. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> they don't open up courts to anybody unless you're a high schooler. Nobody, once you're out of college, they don't play. So unless you find a park, but at the parks, people, they're broken basketball hoops and they only play soccer and there's not even, no one's playing soccer. <laughs> and then we went to like Argentina. You'd think there would be some people. You'd see like one kid shooting a hoop on a four foot rim with no net. And I'm like, I'm not going to hang and do that. So there was literally <laughs> the only place I saw people playing but we were riding bikes was in Colombia. That was it. It was crazy. Like, I mean, think of all the great countries now that play basketball, wherever we were going today, we saw a few kids playing actually for the first time in a while. And I went by and I started looking at them. They were like picking up the ball and running with it and playing soccer with a basketball, like tackling each other. I'm like, I'm not going to go in there. Yeah. You'll, so you'll wait, you'll wait the month till you get home to, to play, to play real yeah. basketball. I, I just save my ankles, get home. What but, do yeah. you? But it's it's crazy. What do you all envision then? And you, and you were briefly touched on this as being the maybe the plan or the path after this. Like, was this just a year trip that was almost like a sabbatical, basically, probably the best way you can say, it, and then back to normal life for for a while? Or do you think this will spur something on, whether that be a, a longer trip again? You know what? What do you think, and I know this is a hard question to answer, that this will then lead to, this experience will lead to for, for your family? Yeah, that's a really good question. I have to say, um, and this wasn't intentional, it just happened. Mm -hmm. um, we were very inspired with some of the places um, that we traveled to, seeing a lot of retirees and how they were doing it. And we have a lot of vision about our retirement. So I don't yeah. think that there's going to be any long-term travel in the near future until Kayla goes off to school or, you know, is she's doing her own thing because she's not interested in it. Um, but I think for Scott and I, there's going to be some significant long-term travel. Oh, there's no doubt. When she's out of the house. Oh, my, 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 no. See, the yeah. thing is, I already have all these plans in my head. We bought land in Costa Rica. Like, we've got a beautiful piece, piece of land, and we were going to build there. And, uh, you know, we're sitting here, and we're like, that was part of our plan. And as we're talking to people, I'm like, okay, so – we could build for this price or I could come here for like 10 years, you know, like, so we started like yeah. seeing all these places and we're like, like we have, we have a, we have a great plan and it's only going to get better. Cause now we're going to keep talking to people, but we have a really great way to like, just, you can stay at hotels in like Thailand or Cambodia have like everything included and live for less than you could get like a one bedroom apartment in Austin mm -hmm. and have everything included. So go down there for a few months, rent your place. I mean, it's it's really easy to see how it could happen. Mm -hmm. But if you could pay off a home and rent that, you know, if this is somebody listening who's thinking like, how could I pull this off? Mm -hmm. Rent your home for six months or whatever or a year. And I mean, you can do much better because mm -hmm. everyone's renting their home for what, two, three thousand bucks in the States. I mean, it's a lot different that in Thailand you could live like I a mean, king. Yeah, you're yeah. living in you're living in a five star hotel with free breakfast and you know hors d'oeuvres at night or whatever, or you're living in an amazing apartment or 
home. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's crazy. So your mindset has shifted a little bit to saying, hey, instead of just picking maybe one place to retire to, like, all right, we like Costa Rica, we're going to build, we're going to get our dream house, we're going to retire here. You're saying, hey, maybe, maybe we'll do that, but maybe we'll also use that, the money that we would do towards debt to bump around and and just continue to travel and see different things as opposed to setting down roots in one spot. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We, we met so many people um, in Thailand, but all over oh. the world that took off for three to six months um, of the year. And they just, you know, maybe their, their home was in, you know, winter at the time and they take off for the winter months. And they're living large, really large. And we were like, gosh, this is, you know, once you get over the hump, I, I had a lot of fear of renting our house because it's my love. You know, I put we put a lot of time and, you know, effort into it. And we've had it for 20 years. And um, I had a big fear of renting it. And but once you do it once, it's like, oh, this is easy. We can do this. You know, mm-hmm. so we so it really opened up, I think, a whole new world for. We this. haven't seen the house yet, though. Yeah. Right. So, you know. <laughs> A little presumptuous, yeah, yeah, yeah. presumptuous, but whatever. I, know. I, we know the tenants, and I, <laughs> yeah, I am fine. confident that they. And we have a next door neighbor who's super cool who would tell us if anything went wrong. But yeah. the, the point being is, we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good point, good point. But you know, once you get over the hump of doing it, just even efforting it, you know, efforting towards renting your home, um, it's repeatable. So you can do it, and then you know, it frees up everything. If you, you know. There is, um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, gosh, I have a home and it ties me down. But there's so much opportunity with a home to, a have, to have income, you know, everything's a and then if you don't have a home, if you have an apartment, well, hey, you're free to go anywhere, you know, so there's, you know, no matter what situation you're in, this is possible. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally agree. It's it's exactly like we said in the beginning, the kid and the and the home and all this can seem like a weight or if you reframe it, as you're saying, Scott, it's all of a sudden an opportunity. And you're saying, wow, now I have something that can that I can either house swap and go live in someone else's house and they come to mine. You you have some leverage. You have some, you have a currency that can be used to your advantage if you want it to be, or it can be used to your detriment if if you use it as a weight and say, Well, now I can't do anything because I'm I'm stuck here in my house. And I think it is just a reframing of of your priorities and, and of your mindset for sure. The last kind of question I have for you guys here then is what along this journey has been your biggest travel mishap? So this could be something that was your fault and and you made a mistake or it's just (laughs) something that happened to you that you're like, oh boy, we've got ourselves in something here. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Oh, yeah. Do you want me to play this? Yeah, I'll explain (laughs) it. Um, This isn't even funny. It's 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 funny now because it's a year out. It wasn't funny. This was um, towards the beginning of our trip. You know, we, we started off in Central America and we were in Colombia and a friend of Scott's had told us that she was really good friends with a woman who um, had this like re- quote unquote retreat center in the jungles of Colombia and you have to go. It's so beautiful. So she it's had, the most beautiful she had place you've ever seen. So anyway, um, it ends up, we fly into this remote area. We were going to stay, I think, 12 days there or yeah. something like that. Um 
we and uh, they pick us up by boat because it was the only way to get to their place. It was extremely remote, and we. It's essentially um, an island, but it's not an island. There's just no roads to get there, so it's like a river coming through, and it's out. It's in the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere, and we were told ahead of time. Scott had um, talked to her, and she said, "Yes, it's this retreat." And she knew this the she high knew- level retreats that we put on. You know, yeah, in she really knows where beautiful we do places. Them. She said, oh, yes, you're going to love this. So anyway, we, we we pull up in the boat. And we have all our stuff, you know, like our backpacks, our computers, you know, in this boat. And, they're, and they pull up and they're like, OK, jump, like, like a jump good in the 40 water feet away from like, like, I'm going to be like, like up to my like, with, I, I have to hold this stuff with up waves here. crashing. Yeah, with, I didn't even put on a bathing suit. I, no one told us anything. No one right? told us anything. We jump off. We like lugging all our stuff overhead with waves crashing. We get to the place and it's and it's literally like this no walled shack like it's like there's nothing there nothing that that she had promised um no like the running water was brown it, it came from like a um, boil a waterfall you had to boil everything it was um it was an absolute unexpected cleanse because she they didn't tell us that we also needed food uh, except last minute so when we were when they picked us up they're like hey you might want to pick up a little bit of but food but we didn't know what that meant we, we didn't, didn't know, know that was a 12 days food so there's like a there's like a dead goat <laughs> There's like a chicken neck. There's some like some kind of hooves from some animals. They're like, here's our meat, and I'm like, and, I'm like, I'm, I'm I'm like, I'm like looking for the camera. I'm like, you guys, these guys are funny. And, and then they um, being funny. so we bought some rice and beans. We had rice and beans every day for the whole entire time that we were there. We um, and we were essentially stranded. They wouldn't. They, they wouldn't, wouldn't. They take wouldn't take us back or and, like. And they charged us a, like a good amount of money. Like, <laughs> like I. I, I describe it as getting stranded on Gilligan's Island. I couldn't sleep. So, okay, so. <laughs> all right. So I love the ocean, right? That's my thing. I love nature. I love anything to do with that. Like near the ocean, that's my dream place. Here's the reality. We're along a beach area. And so there's people who like fish and like people who live in the area, but they're like jungle people. So at night, they're walking right next to our place. So you can hear them and they're carrying machetes, like kicking like the, like the, the, the grass out and stuff. And so they're literally, so they're sleeping. My daughter's getting eaten by bugs. She's covered in bug bites. And I'm awake, just sitting there, just hearing the waves. I'm like, was that the waves? Is somebody out there whose footsteps are that? So I couldn't (laughs) sleep. So I'm like eight days in thinking I'm on crystal meth, like losing my mind. I'm like, is this really happening? Like, I can't, I'm freaking out. And they're like, how are you know, do you love it here? Right. And I'm like, and I'm trying to be nice. Finally, I'm like, listen, this is not what you said. And I kind of lost it. It was horrible. Yeah, it was. A, it, I'm so glad that's over. <laughs> yeah, we made it through. It was a huge family bonding experience. We for went sure. back and we <laughs> put our heads on that Marriott pillow in Medellin, and I wrote the nicest TripAdvisor review for. I essentially said they saved my life. <laughs> so, if you go look up Marriott Medellin, they saved my life. How these people were just totally oblivious to what you were expecting. Like they they. I was on the phone with this woman and she was telling me that, uh, you know, she would love me to bring Go Love Now, like our program to the schools down there. So she said they're really small schools. It was a hut with two kids and they're like, like throwing rocks at each other. Like, like the whole point was, if you just explained what it was, then I would have said, I wouldn't mind going there for five days, um, but I wouldn't pay what we paid. And even then I'd make sure that everyone was cool with that. But when you're in there and there's no... There's something strange about being in a place where, first of all, listen, when you hear Columbia, okay, where where like people were like growing, you know, the the, the cacao to to make the the cocaine or whatever is the cocoa leaves or whatever. So we're in places where some psycho could be out there 
and we're exposed to, to everything. Yeah, there was, it wasn't safe. There was and no they're laying next to me, <laughs> and my daughter's covered in bug bites, and I'm awake the whole time. Yeah. Like... It was a crazy experience. Crazy. So everything else was uphill. We just, after that, we, the big joke was, it's better than the key. It's better than the key. It's yeah. better than the key. We, you know what? Honestly, we we reflected on it and we said it, we're so happy that it happened early in our oh. trip because we appreciated oh, everything. everything after Just that. like a piece everything. of toilet paper. You yeah. know, just somebody like smiling, like somebody without a machete. The little things. <laughs> <laughs> it's the little things in life. I, I'm a big fan of the show Survivor. And, uh, you know, they spend 30, 39 days out there. You guys did about a third of what someone in Survivor does. and, and in, With no intention. Right, yeah, right. Knowing. <laughs> right. But you paid for it with no intention of doing it and no fun yeah. challenges yeah. or a million dollar at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, oh, you're man. not allowed to go crazy. Like, like I have to manage a family. So yeah. like it's different if I'm there and I could just lose it. And a producer comes over and says like we're going to be okay. Do you need to leave the island? No, I'm stuck. It's totally different. Oh, Survivor's great. Oh man. Well, Kim and Scott, that's a great story. I'm glad it's over for you. Um, I'm glad that that then framed up your appreciation for everything afterwards that came about. And I just want to thank you guys for joining me today and and proving that you can travel with kids no matter what age. And that travel can be one of the greatest gifts that, that you can give them, that they can give themselves, whether they know it or not yet. Uh, you know, we're, we're still holding that. Um, remind people one more time, if they want to follow along with what you guys are doing, how can they find you? What are the websites they should go to? Yeah, our plan. So we're, we only have a few more weeks left to this trip. And when we get back, we're going to be writing a specific blog on how to step by step travel around the world, whether it's solo, with a friend, family, loved one, whatever it is. And you'll find that information at Meditation Mother. That's M-U-T-H-A dot com. So Meditation Mother. And then Scott has his program. It's GoLoveNow.com, where he um, has worked with families and schools all over the world, teaching them about self-love, compassion, and kindness. So yeah, we'll so we'll have that stuff there too. So uh, if you want to go to Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, um, we put a lot on Facebook because when we're going out to schools and stuff, we're we're out there. So go love now, meditation mother. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. We will obviously link all that up in the show notes, everyone, so you can get that extra pack of slash shows You can see the show notes for this episode, for every other episode as well, and I. Kim and Scott, I want to thank you guys for taking a little bit of time out as your journey winds to an end and you only have weeks left here in this in this year-long trip. I want to thank you for taking some time out and hanging out with me, explaining how you figured all this out, how you went with a 12-year-old and uh, yeah, shining some light on what I think can be an amazing gift for, for parents to give their kids and an amazing family bonding experience. Hopefully it doesn't have to be exactly the same way that you guys did it. They're not <laughs> stranded in Colombia. But thank you guys. Really, really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you Thanks so much for having us, Travis. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today for the continued support that makes us number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. And until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you Paris soon.